everyone. This is Craig Valentine from TurbulenceTraining.com, and I want to wish you a happy National Pecan Month. If you didn't know, April is Pecan Month. I found this on the Internet. And as you might know, I tend to eat a lot of pecans in my breakfast bowl in the morning. And the pecan is a low-protein, high-fiber nut. I've actually got some stats on the amount of protein in all types of nuts, peanuts, almonds, cashews, pecans, that we're going to share with you later on in the call. So we'll talk about that in a bit. But I just wanted to wish you a happy pecan month because I know that you're celebrating with some pecans. All right, so more on that in a bit. But we're going to start our seven-day fat-burning guide this week focusing on one of my favorite programs that doesn't get a lot of press. It's called the Hot Zone Fat-Burning Program. And it's really got a bit of theory behind it and is kind of the foundation of, of how I designed quite a few programs when I was working with people with very little time to train, and I realized that, you know, unconsciously or subconsciously, or subconsciously would be the correct word, not unconsciously, but subconsciously I was putting together programs that were addressing four hot zones of the body, and we're going to talk about that today. But first, let's talk about our transformation tip of the week. And I recently did a blog post on my blog at ttfatloss.com, and it was called The Seven Tips to Have Insane Amounts of Energy. And I personally do have insane amounts of energy. I'm not one of those people that gets really too hyped up. I know I'm kind of hyped up on this call, but I'm not too hyped up on a day-to-day basis. But I'm never tired, and I can go all day. You know, I get up at about... 6 o'clock in the morning, and I'll maybe go to bed around 11. And I just, I, I'm doing stuff all day long. I get lots of stuff done. I'm not tired, not falling asleep at my desk, not falling asleep behind the wheel of the car or while operating heavy machinery. I'm always wide awake and going. But it wasn't always this way. It truly wasn't. I mean, I, I was like most people. When I was in high school, I always wanted to take a nap, even though I slept like 9 or 10 hours. And it's mostly because of the food choices that we make. And, you know, I've uh, gone through years of my life where I ate too much bread or carbohydrates at lunchtime, and I was just you know sleepy at two o'clock and falling asleep at, you know wherever I was you know whether I was training people or whether I was doing research at a desk, I was really tired and it's just you know once you make some changes, you cut out sugar, you cut out processed foods um, and you eat more whole natural foods, drink more water, then you're simply going to have way more energy than than you have right now it's it's not it's impossible not to. And by energy, I'm more men- I mean mental alertness. I mean, energy is kind of a vague, subjective term, but what we mean really most of the time is mental energy, mental arousal, mental alertness. You know, if you're tired, you think you have no energy, even though you have plenty of energy in your body. All right, so a couple of other things that will help you have more mental alertness and more mental energy. One is to cut out the massive spikes of caffeine that you consume. So, you know, don't cram down an Americano, venti, whatever, methingy. You know, those things contain like a couple hundred milligrams of caffeine, and they will just shoot you up, but you'll come right back down. And uh, I didn't save this research study, but I'm pretty sure I came across a research study from the U.S. Army showing that if they gave smaller amounts of caffeine over the course of hours that actually kept the soldiers more alert. So dose it out. Green tea is a good way. If you have a couple cups of green tea, it's probably better than having one big coffee. Consider doing that. And then one other thing you've probably heard a million times, and I had to, but it wasn't until I finally did this that I really t- 
took my game from like A to A plus plus plus. I mean, seriously, as soon as I started doing this, I had way more, way more mental alertness all day long, and I never have those uh, bouts of fatigue that I used to have when I was like 25. And the secret here is to simply go to bed at the same time and get up at the same time every day. And that's tough when you're 25 because you want to sleep till 11 on Saturdays and stay up until 4. But if you can really keep it close, man, you are going to have insane amounts of energy. So that's a great transformation tip because obviously if you have more energy, more mental alertness, you're going to train better and you're going to train more consistently. You're not going to skip workouts. So those are my tips to you. All right, so let's take a look at the Hot Zone Fat Loss Program. This is from August 2008. And, of course, you can find this program at www.turbulencetraining.com forward slash workouts. And you'll find it in the 2008 catalog and also in the Fat Loss Program catalog. Now, what we're going to do here is get so much with so little. It really is about four simple movements training four areas of the body, the hot zones of the body. It's not body part training. That stuff is out of date, out of style. It's out of your life. So the hot zones of the body are your upper back, back of your legs, torso, and chest. If you hit those muscle groups, those areas, then you're going to get all the other muscle groups as a result. You know, when you train your upper back, you're going to get your biceps and your lats. And by upper back, I mean rowing type exercises. And when you train the back of your legs, it's almost impossible not to train your quadriceps. So if you're doing lunges and reverse, reverse lunges, focusing on your glutes and hamstrings, you're going to get your quadriceps in there too. So I found that you know, when I was you know, really pressed for time, like let's say one of my clients came in late and we only had 20 or 30 minutes to train and we worked on these hot zones of the body, that is where we got most of the stuff done. That's how we got really great workouts with very little time and the client went home happy. It was with these, what I call, hot zone movements. So that's how these workouts are going to go. There's some optional stuff in, in the workouts. They're a little bit shorter than what you might normally expect, and, but it all started from analyzing the client's success. So in workout A, you're going to start with a dumbbell split squat and then you do push-ups with your hands on the ball. Now, that's a little bit harder than normal push-ups, so if you can't do those ones, you can do with your hands down on the ground. Or you can do close grip push-ups, or you can do kneeling push-ups. Then you're going to do a superset of dumbbell uh, chest-supported rows, so on an incline bench, you're going to have your chest on the bench as opposed to your back on the bench, and you're going to hold dumbbells at arm's length, squeeze your shoulder blades together, and row the dumbbells up. It's actually a really good rowing exercise, and... Um, it's a really, really unique version of the row, and it's a great variety because most people are doing dumbbell rows, you know, one-arm dumbbell rows, and, you know, bent over two-arm dumbbell rows. And, you know, they're getting bored. Here's a new way to do rows at home with dumbbells and a bench. And then you're also going to pair that with a cross-body mountain climber, so that's working the abdominals, uh, so that's your torso is what I call the, the hot zone there. And then we throw in this optional superset of dumbbell one-arm shoulder press, so that's eight reps per side there. And then stability ball, uh, jackknife plank. That means you have your elbows on the bench, your feet on the ball, and you hold that plank position there. So you're not doing the regular jackknife where your knees come up to your chest and back out. You're just going to do a hold of a plank there. It's a little bit harder than doing a regular plank down on the ground because you're, with your you know, balls of your feet and your toes on the ball, 
your body's going to shake a little bit more and you have to brace your abs a little bit harder. And then you're going to finish off with interval training, workout A there. And I also want to direct you back to my blog. On March 30th, I did a post on ttfatloss.com about the best interval training um, programs for fat loss. So take a look at that. Uh, in classic style, it will challenge what you believe and uh, give you some ideas for getting more results in less time. All right, so let's go to Tuesday. 30 minutes of activity. I mean, we've had some great weather here, so hopefully that will continue and people can get out and just do yard work or walking around and, and doing some activity outside. Again, these off days really are just for you to stay active and have fun and get some of that lifestyle that we associate with, you know, the 60s and 70s and the 50s where people actually had leisure time, that's what we're going for here. We're going to give you some leisure time. We're giving you three great workouts per week and trying to give you some extra leisure time for you to enjoy your life. That's what Turbulence Training Lifestyle is all about. And then I have a pretty funny blog post I just put up today on April 1st. It's not an April Fool's Day post. Although the uh, what I'm arguing against is an is a trainer fool post. Um, trainers, some trainers and nutrition experts talk about negative calorie foods, and that's just a complete joke. There is absolutely no such thing, and I make a very good case for why it is not true. On my blog, I talk about how basically, if these foods were really negative calorie foods, and what they mean by that is a negative calorie food is a food that you would consume, like celery. I've even seen apples and bananas mentioned, but let's say celery because that's what most people talk about. Now, let's say you consumed a cup of celery at 19 calories per cup. So these people are saying that the chewing, the digestion, and the absorption into the body would take you know, more than 19 calories for your, for your body to do. And so that's why they say it's negative calorie food because it costs more energy to consume it than it does to provide to you. But that is complete junk. Absolutely not possible because think about it this way. One cup of celery contains 19 calories and that's obviously a lot of food for um, a very small amount of calories. But if you sprinted your brains out for a minute straight, you would be lucky to burn 19 calories. You probably wouldn't burn 19 calories. Most people listening to this call do not have the ability to burn 19 calories in a minute. So if you think that by chewing you're going to burn 19 calories, you are sorely mistaken. And the other thing is, if these foods really existed, if foods really did have a negative calorie value, you would have no bunny rabbits in this world because all the bunny rabbits would burn more calories by eating food than they could possibly ever get from the food. And so all bunny rabbits would die, and therefore trainers who believe in negative calorie foods are bunny killers, and we don't like bunny killers. So those trainers should not be trainers. All right, so we're going to move on to Wednesday's Workout B from the Hot Zone Fat Loss Program. Again, turbulencetraining.com forward slash workouts. And we're going to look at the first superset, which is a dumbbell incline flat press. So that means you're going to do eight repetitions of incline and then eight repetitions of flat press back-to-back -back without any rest. So 
you're actually stronger in the flat position, so you probably you, you shouldn't need to change the weight. But if you can only get five or six repetitions in the flat press, that's fine. It's a little little superset, a little bodybuilding trick there. And then you're going to follow that up with inverted rows. So we're really doing an upper body superset to start to work our pushing muscles and our hot zone upper back. Then we're going to do dumbbell step-ups to work the back of our legs, hot zone, and stability ball rollout to work our ab hot zone. And then we're going to do an optional arm superset, which is outside of the hot zone program, but it's optional if you want to do it. But again, you don't have to because you only need four exercises to hit the hot zones. And then you get interval training, workout B, and then that's it. You're done. So like I said, these are shorter than what most people are used to. So time to talk about my workout, and it's my deadlift workout. We start actually with a clean, so that means you know pulling, <clears throat> pulling the weight up like in the Olympic style, clean from the floor, up, uh, but not into the squat position. So a power clean, basically, up and catch it in a standing position with the bar racked across the shoulders, and then a press. So a clean and press. We clean the bar up and then press it overhead. So three sets of five repetitions. Then we do deadlift, double overhand grip, no straps, no belt, just my hands, um, using a hook grip, which is actually quite painful. But I don't like to do the alternate grip anymore just because it kind of messes with the back. Um, so I might do it once in a while, but not very often. So five sets of five repetitions there. You, I use about uh, 315 to 335 pounds there. Not to any world records, but pretty good for double overhand grip. And then a dumbbell press, a dumbbell chest press, two sets, um, basically eight to 12 repetitions. And then uh, one set of barbell row and two sets of good mornings, and then we're done. So quite a bit of volume, quite a number of exercises, um, but the dumbbell press, the barbell row, and the good morning. Uh, actually, barbell row shouldn't be in there. I apologize. Uh, good morning and dumbbell press only have two sets per exercise. So it only turns out to be 12 sets total, even though it sounds like a lot of exercises. So that's it for my workout there. I'm going to do that uh, in two days from now. I just did my squat workout today. And you can hear about that one in the last call uh, we did for the last week of March. All right, so now on to Thursday, 30 minutes of fun activity. Again, if the weather's nice, get out there, play Frisbee, play softball, play soccer, do something fun. You know, just go out and live life again. You know, walk the dog for an extra half an hour. Even if you walk him for 15 minutes, give him some more exercise. Chances are your dog would love to have more time outside. All right, so here's the chart that I found on the Internet for the uh, grams of protein in one ounce of uh, different types of nuts. So you'll, you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised here. Almonds are 6.03 grams. Brazil nuts are 4 grams. Cashews are 4.5 grams of protein per ounce. Pecans are a lowly 2.6 grams. Walnuts, which I uh, often eat in salads, um, are 4.5 grams. And then can you guess which one is the highest amount of protein? It is the classic peanut at 6.71 grams of protein per ounce. And that's in this chart. Maybe there's another hidden nut out there that uh, I don't know about. Uh, macadamia nuts were also on this one, uh, and they were very low. They were actually the lowest at 2.21. Pistachios were not on here. Who knows? Sunflower seeds, I don't know if they're nuts, whatever. They weren't on here. Um, but almonds and peanuts 
are very high in protein, you know, for nuts. All right. Now we're into Friday. I wanted to mention, last week I, I hinted on the call that we were going to talk about the one bodyweight exercise that everyone should avoid that a lot of people do in the gym, and it is those uh, bench dips. So, you know, the dips where you have your hands kind of behind you on a bench and your feet out in front of you, either on the floor or on another bench, and sometimes you put weight on your thighs like we did when we were in high school and we did uh, those bench dips. Those are actually a bad exercise, and I get this information from a friend named Bill Hartman, who is the uh, smartest man in fitness, and he's actually been interviewed and called the smartest man in fitness by a lot of people, and he really is. I mean, he's actually funny because he kind of looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he was an old-school bodybuilder, but he is a physiotherapist in Indianapolis and owns a gym there with Mike Robertson. So I highly recommend, if you live in that area, to search him out, and you can find out more about him at BillHartman.net. That's B-I-L-L-H. A-R-T-M-A-N-N, two N's there, dot net. And uh, you'll find out more about Bill Hartman. He says that the bench dip requires uh, a lot of shoulder extension, and that means when you extend, when you're swimming and you're doing the front crawl and you bring your arm over, that's shoulder extension. When you bring your, your, you know, once your hand gets in the water and you start bringing your hand back down to your body. So you get behind your body, then you have 90 degrees of shoulder extension, which exceeds normal shoulder extension, according to Bill. And that much range of motion tilts the scapula, your shoulder blade, forward into an unstable position. And so that means the shoulder joint is unstable in that exercise, and that increases demands on the rotator cuff, especially a little muscle called the subscapularis. And over time, this is a lot of undesirable stress on the rotator cuff muscles, specifically that little muscle there, and leads to impingement. And it also stresses the AC joint. And as Bill says, it's a crap exercise for overload. I mean, if you're doing tricep extension, those little bench dips with your feet on the ground, I mean, do close grip push-ups or something. I mean, it's, you're wasting your time anyways. So just move on to something else and, uh, you know, avoid shoulder stress. All right, so we also need to talk about workout C from the program, and this one is, like, really right to the point. Four little exercises here. The first one is pull-up with knee up. That's 1A, and you're going to pair that with stability ball leg curl, so that gets the back of the body. Uh, you've already got, actually, just in that superset, you've trained every hot zone, because most people don't realize how hard the pull-up trains your chest, but it does, because it's it does a bit of shoulder extension in there. As you pull your chest, or as you pull yourself up to the bar, just do that movement. You feel your chest working quite a bit. So pull up with knee up if you can actually do that exercise. Uh, obviously, the knee up trains the abdominals. So pull up trains the upper back and the chest. And then the stability ball leg curl and the superset train the back of the legs. Now, it doesn't really get the quadriceps that much. So that's why we have the second superset, which is dumbbell forward lunges and Spider-Man push-ups. So then we actually finish this workout, not with interval training, but with 20 minutes of what a high-intensity cardio, meaning just go and go as hard as you can for 20 minutes. And once in a while, I'll throw that into a program because research shows slow, boring cardio doesn't work, but this high-intensity cardio does help burn uh, belly fat. So you can do that one. Obviously, I still think the interval training is better. You get um, a little more results in a short amount of time. It's also... Uh, very life-applicable fitness, and you can do it in different 
ways as opposed to 20 minutes of high-intensity cardio. You can only really do it with classic cardio styles, but with, you know, the interval training, you can do with kettlebells and, and all types of things. So that's uh, your option there for that workout C. Into Saturday, or it's our social support Saturday, our big day. I just want to remind you to go to TurbulenceTwitter.com, sign up for Twitter, follow me, post your meals, send them to me, get accountability, get social support on Twitter. It's free, it's silly, but it's free, and it really will help you. All right, and then finally, Sunday, 30 minutes of activity, plan, shop, and prepare. And I want to talk to you about another vegetarian protein source here. I've talked a lot about non-meat sources of protein in these calls, and and I still do eat meat, but I just think that there's um, you know an overemphasis on it, and over, especially an overemphasis on protein shakes. Uh, I mean, really, I, I like to think that if you know if aliens came down from space and and saw you know first of all if they saw people doing cardio, they'd wonder what the heck was going on. But if they saw us drinking protein shakes and then tasted a protein shake, they'd think we were crazy because. I mean, people are really just justifying the fact that they want to believe they're drinking milkshakes, and with protein bars, they want to believe that they're they're eating candy bars. That's, to, in my honest opinion, that's what 75 to 90 percent of people are doing when they have a protein shake. They're they're wishing it was a milkshake, and uh, I'm going to show a little or share with you my banana taco meal that I had the other day, and uh, you can go. And check out this post at http colon forward slash forward slash snipurl.com forward slash banana protein. And you can go and see the meal that I had that gave me 40 grams of protein. And here's what it is. Raw vegetables and hummus plus three banana tacos. And a banana taco is a banana plus blueberries plus a tablespoon, tablespoon of uh, some type of nut butter. I used almond hazelnut butter wrapped in a tortilla shell, tortilla shell. And each one of those tortilla shells had five grams of protein. So three of those. And then I also had 500 milliliters of chocolate milk, which is much better than a protein shake. And that entire meal there gave me at least 40 grams of protein, which is more than I need. But it gave me 40 grams of protein. Even the tortillas alone gave me 15 grams of protein. Plus the almond butter would have put me over 20. And then the chocolate milk gave me 18 grams because there's nine grams per cup nine grams of protein per cup of chocolate milk. So, I mean, you don't have to drink protein shake when you got that type of meal available to you. Um, this is after I trained. <laughs> Obviously, if you don't want to have the sugar of chocolate milk, um, you can certainly still eat regular food and, uh, you know, the chocolate milk. Even without the chocolate milk in there, it's still over 20 grams for that, for that meal. All right, so that's it for this week. You know, make sure you uh, also get 30 minutes of activity on your Sunday, planning, shopping, and preparing your meals, thinking about vegetarian alternatives for protein um, if you are looking to get into that type of lifestyle. So I think that it's really, really popular these days and, and becoming more so. And I wish you uh, the best of luck in whatever diet and nutrition program you're following because I do believe that a lot of different diet and nutrition programs can work. It's all about the personality that you have in the lifestyle and putting lifestyle, personality, and food choices together to find the right diet for you. All right, so next week we're going to talk about how to beat the belly bloat. We're going to go over a bodyweight circuit program, and we're going to have tips on beating high blood pressure and diabetes. So this is Craig Valentine from TurbulenceTraining.com, and uh, make sure you check out my blog at ttfatloss.com. 
And I look forward to speaking with you next week. It's always a lot of fun doing these calls, and I look forward to hearing your questions and putting some new content in for your next seven-day fat loss guide. Have a great week. This is Craig Ballantyne from TurbulenceTraining.com.